0: Welcome to the Psychosomatic Medicine Podcast. You have no doubt heard that obesity rates have been rising in recent years, a phenomenon with important implications for health. A person's risk for diabetes and cardiovascular disease, for example, increases with higher levels of body fat. What has received less attention, however, is the possible link between obesity and changes in brain structure and function. As part of the journal's special series on neuroscience in health and disease, the September 2012 issue has two research articles and an editorial on the topic. My name is Victoria White. I'm the Managing Editor for Manuscript Production for Psychosomatic Medicine. I'm joined today by three guests, Peter Generos, the editor of the journal's special neuroscience series, Timothy Versteinen of the Department of Psychology and the Center for the Neural Basis of Cognition at Carnegie Mellon University, and Andriana Haley from the Department of Psychology and the Clinical Neuroscience Lab at the University of Texas at Austin. Dr. Verstinen and his colleagues wrote the article titled, Increased Body Mass Index is Associated with a Global and Distributed Decrease in White Matter Microstructural Integrity. Dr. Haley and her team authored, indirect effects of elevated body mass index on memory performance through altered cerebral metabolite concentrations. Tim, let's turn to you first. Now, as I understand it, you recruited 28 volunteers to undergo a type of brain scan so that you could look at white matter fiber connections and see if there were any differences associated with varying levels of body mass index. Why did you decide on that topic? What were, what were you looking for, and how did you go about answering your research question?
1: Well, we were particularly interested in why you're seeing such global cognitive and brain function changes associated with increased obesity. And we wanted to know whether the physical connections in the human brain were being uh, a- a- affected or associated with increased obesity. So we used a type of imaging technology called diffusion tensor imaging to measure the white matter pathways in the human brain. These are the long-range pathways that allow different brain regions to communicate to each other. Um, and we looked at how the integrity of white matter assessed using this DTI imaging methodology uh, correlated with increases in body mass and index score. There have been some previous reports that local clusters of white matter voxels in different brain regions show a correlation with increased BMI, uh, particularly in an area called the corpus callosum, which allows us to bridge information between the hemispheres and the fornix. But we were curious whether or not the link between obesity and white matter integrity was a more global phenomenon. So what we did is we ran a correlation across all the white matter voxels in the brain um, and controlled for age and sex effects and just looked at... What's the correlational pattern between a white matter voxel integrity and BMI? And across the board, we saw a global shift in the negative direction. So more often than not, and more importantly, more often than chance, um, we saw a negative relationship between increasing BMI score and white matter integrity measures. And this is uh, fairly provocative because it indicates that the relationship between obesity and white matter connections is just focused into very specific brain regions, but might be globally expressed throughout the brain. Now, this is really just kind of a, a tip-of-the-iceberg kind of study. Um, and we have gone on to replicate this in other data samples as well, but it allows for converging evidence to say that there might be some direct relationship between neuroanatomical architecture and increases in obesity, which could have profound implications on cognitive function and just overall brain function in general.
0: With the people who... Are experiencing these changes, would this be something they would have any awareness of?
1: Well, we have to kind of be careful about the causal argument per se. Um, this is a correlational design, so we don't know if, if just in general, your, your inherent white matter biases you to uh, increase in obesity or it might be a signal to noise issue per se. So if, if we're going to acknowledge that it's a correlational uh, design um, and just hypothetically think, increases in obesity, cause decreases in white matter. This would probably be something that would be very subtle. Um, you know, there are other white matter diseases which much more profound symptomatic effects like multiple sclerosis or ALS. So um, we're not saying that, that as you get obese, you're showing symptoms like MS or ALS, but um, you should see presumably dysfunctional communication in the brain pathways, which you could expect lead to differences in cognitive profiles. And in fact, there's a growing amount of evidence to suggest that cognitive ability in obese individuals is actually um, changed relative to linear
2: controls. Well, one question that I have for you, Tim, is how early in life do you think that these connections between obesity and brain structure would express themselves?
1: It depends on the causal mechanism But presumably, the earlier in life that, you know, these changes in neuroanatomical architecture occur, the more profound and established the effects will be. So, you know, it could be as early as childhood that these, you know, obesity-related effects on white matter could start expressing themselves and becoming more and more permanent. The way that the white matter signal changed um, is indicative of a possible effect on the myelin sheets of the cells. These are little wrapper cells that insulate the axons and allow for more efficient communication. So presumably, if you're a developing brain and the efficiency of the cables between major brain regions is is dropping, it'd be like putting a noise into the phone system of, of the US and seeing a degradation of just how well you can communicate across cities. Presumably, over time, you just have an overall efficient cognitive structure to work with.
0: Now, Andorana, you looked at BMI, memory performance, and metabolite
3: concentrations. Can you give us an overview of your research project? Sure, yes. it is uh, The idea behind our research project is very similar in that... Uh, What our lab is interested in is how do we assess early brain vulnerability? How do we understand the mechanisms by which obesity might be impacting Uh, cognitive function. We know very well from longitudinal studies that midlife obesity is increasing the risk for late-life dementia. But when we talk about events that are separated by 20, 30 or more years, then it's very difficult to study and understand the mechanisms that might be leading to that. So in that sense, it is very important for us to study mechanisms at midlife when we know that the risk factor is most salient. On the other hand, when we talk about cognition, studying mechanisms at midlife is very difficult because the cognitive effect of obesity at midlife is very subtle. We know that midlife obesity increases the risk for severe cognitive impairment in older age, but at midlife per se, while obese individuals may show some Uh, small changes in cognitive function, therefore all intents and purposes cognitively normal. So if you study mechanisms at midlife, one of the sort of accepted ways of probing mechanism in a cross-sectional design is looking at statistical mediation. Do we have a significant effect? Does it go away when we enter a third variable? Can we say the third variable is driving the effect? But when we talk about an effect that's very subtle at midlife, we are sort of out of luck with the statistical procedures so what we turned to is some recent recommendations by scientists and statisticians who are proponents of examining the direct and indirect effects of different variables separately in other words that we can look at the indirect effect of something without requirement that the dependent and independent variables are significantly related. In other words, that we can look for mechanisms without requirement that obesity is related to cognitive dysfunction at the point where we're looking for the mechanism. So what we did is we decided that it would be very interesting to look at uh, certain neurochemical changes that we have detected in, in early stages of cognitive disorders. For example, in the early stages of Alzheimer's disease, in the early stages of traumatic brain injury, in the early stages of MS, we see neurochemical changes that shows that the neuronal integrity is lower or that the cerebral metabolism is different in those patients. And that happens preclinically before cognitive function in those patients is significantly impaired. So we went to those same neurochemical markers. We uh, used magnetic resonance spectroscopy, which is just a different type of imaging using the same type of MRI scanner that uh, say functional MRI or structural MRI uses but we extract information about the uh, neurochemical composition of a tissue sample so we looked at uh, uh, several different markers but concentrated on two um, especially an aspartate which is known to be related to neuronal viability and myanostyl which is an organic osmolite and uh, known to be related to secondary messenger systems so what we did is we recruited 40 to 60-year-old adults with a varying body mass indices. Some were normal weight, some were overweight, and some were obese. We measured an acetyl aspartate and myonocetyl in the brain, and then entered all of that information into a statistical model that assesses direct and indirect effects of obesity on cognitive function through the neurochemical markers that we know from other studies are very much related to cognitive function. So what we found is that although the cognitive effect of increased body mass index at midlife was as subtle as other studies suggest, in other words, the obese individuals were somewhat less capable cognitively than the normal controls, but well within the normal range. But despite that, when the model included the indirect effects of obesity on cognitive function through the neurochemical markers that we were measuring, this relationship was significant. So we interpret that to tell us something uh, about the the pathways via which uh, obesity can impact the brain. We interpret that to mean that obesity uh, impacts the brain possibly through inducing neuroinflammation. We know that uh, fat tissue is very endocrine active. It uh, induces an increase in inflammatory markers, some of which cross the brain barrier, and Affect the concentrations of myonostal in the brain. So the relationships that we detected give us a reasonable hypothesis that obesity might be impacting cognitive function through early changes in neurochemical composition, uh, possibly related to neuroinflammation.
2: Andriana, you you've established a, a relationship between um, increasing levels of BMI. Uh, approaching obesity and these negative neurochemical changes in the brain and you're speculating that neuroinflammation might be one mechanism and i wonder if if you could elaborate on whether you think the same kinds of mechanisms particularly neuroinflammation might account for what tim observed in his paper where he, he related increasing bmi to decreasing integrity of white matter pathways
3: that is a very good question, and I know that um, in the editorial that accompanied our papers, uh, we were seeing a suggested uh, the suggested mechanism was vascular, that possibly uh, the impaired vascular chair related to obesity is driving all of these effects. I believe that this is a process that is going on on multiple levels. I think that that obesity is contributing to many different changes in the brain, and they're not. All at the same etiology, I think, and that's why in the end uh, we have, you know, obesity when, obesity, when it comes with uh, dyslipidemia, hypertension, hyperglycemia, it is more than the sum of its parts. I believe that neuroinflammation is part of the story that impaired vasculature is another part of the story. I believe that that the impairment in the white matter in- integrity is likely a different prong of the same sort of uh, general brain vulnerability that is induced on so many levels by the increased body mass.
2: So, Tim and Andriana, in the editorial comment that accompanies your two papers, Antonio Convit from NYU summarizes your papers by saying that obesity is associated with structural and functional brain abnormalities. But then he poses the question, where do we go from here? And I was wondering if the two of you could comment, especially for the non-scientists, on that question. So where do we go from here?
3: I know where I want to go next. Um, I think we are now doing a very good job characterizing what we all believe is brain vulnerability in midlife, white matter integrity, chemical changes, uh, volumetric changes. We know things are different in those people. What I would love to see is a longitudinal study that would show us whether these changes that we're characterizing at midlife are going to track these people on different cognitive trajectories. Can we identify who is going to go down the successful aging path? And who is very likely to go down the dementia road? And can we then intervene early on, switching them from one trajectory to the other? That's where I would love to go next.
1: I'd say where to go from here would also be more intervention studies, um, seeing how manipulatable these neural effects are when you manipulate obesity. So if there is some exercise intervention or weight loss programs that could improve white matter signal, reduce uh, inflammatory markers using spectroscopy, that kind of thing, and subsequently assist cognitive abilities, like we do know that exercise can do, then that provides a really rich repertoire for not only understanding these relationships in the brain, but also providing a a potential uh, way of intervening to improve not only physical health, but neural health, in particular, older and aging adult populations.
0: That concludes our discussion of the research by Dr. Versinen's group and Dr. Haley's group. To read their articles and the accompanying editorial, visit the Psychosomatic Medicine website at www.psychosomaticmedicine.org.